Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for our time of worship so far this morning. Lord, just a wonderful, wonderful privilege and opportunity to gather as the body of Christ once again. Enjoy worship, enjoy fellowship. And now as we turn our attention to your word, we are reminded that uh, we need you. The power of your Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit called the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth to uh, not just enable us to understand your word, but then to uh, speak truth to us about how to apply it to our lives, then ultimately, gloriously, to empower us to be obedient to your word. So, Father, uh, we thank you for your truth. Thank you for the transformation that has happened in so many lives sitting here as we have uh, taken to heart your word and, and diligently sought to apply it. And so, Lord, we love you and uh, ask you now to lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. This year, I'll spend less time with God. I will hide my faith from my coworkers. This year, I will spend more in tithe less. I will read the Bible as little as possible. I will remain silent when I know I should speak. This year. This year. This year, I will not share my faith with my best friend. I will shirk leadership responsibilities every chance I get. I will continue to justify my bad behavior. And give God my leftovers. This year. This year. This year, I will let the busyness of life squeeze God out. So we just call it now and head on home. What are you going to do this year? Because, because <laughs> Billy's like, what just happened? What did I, right? What, what, what? But, but here's the thing. It, it, it's kind of funny to look at, but if we're not careful by default, because of this sin nature in us, this flesh that rears its head daily, if we're not careful, that might happen. That might happen. If, if, if we're not diligent in this process we called sanctification, you know, we, we've been learning not only over in December, we learned these glorious truths. God is not only with us, He's in us, right? To conform our will to His and then to supernaturally empower us to do that will, right? So that we would be more Christ like. So we have at our disposal supernatural resources, right? Romans 8 says, if, if, if the Spirit of Christ lives in us who raised Jesus from the dead, He's going to give life to our bodies. So, so think of all the power that was required for the resurrection of Christ. Think of all the power that was, that was required for creation. And God, through His Holy Spirit, indwells us. Right? Dunamis, dynamite. We have that at our disposal. And now we're launching off 2015. So, so 360 some odd days from now, what are you going to say you did versus what they said? And the difference, one of the key differences for you and for me are choices. Issue of the will. Decisions that we're going to have to make daily. Decisions. Decisions. You know, when, the, when they said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tie less, I'm going to give God my leftovers, Right? You know, kind of funny, but if we were honest, we'd have to kind of say, yeah, kind of me. 
I wouldn't say it, but my life kind of says that. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to give God my leftovers. I didn't mean to get caught up in the busyness of life. I didn't mean. And kind of what happened was we just didn't realize that, that God enables us to make choices. It boils down to choices. And, and, you know, this is the first Lord's Day, the first Sunday of 2015. And, and laid out before all of us is a really a year of choices. A year of choices, right? And in Philippians 3, we look at the example of Paul, right? And he's speaking about this desire, this passion he has. And, and in, in a nutshell, in, in, in verses 1 through 10, in a nutshell, Paul says, my passion, my desire of life is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and be like him. Right? That word know means intimate, personal, experiential knowledge. Okay? That's like a husband and wife. Right? He's not talking, I want more knowledge. I don't, he's not saying, I want to know more about God. I want to know Him experientially. And this, this power of the resurrection, I want to know that in my life. Right? So verses 1 through 10, that's the passion. That's the passion of Paul. And then let's pick up in verse 12. Philippians 3:12. Paul says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So in the beginning of verse 12, it says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. You know what he's saying there? I don't have it all together. Is there anybody in this room who can say, I don't have it all together? Right? This thing called sanctification, right? From the time you place your faith in Christ and you have this new birth regeneration to the time you go home to the Lord, glorification. We are in this process called sanctification, which the ultimate goal from Romans 8, 28, and 29 is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, right? Sanctification is a process, is a process. And I love Paul's beginning statement, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. You know what that says to me? Freedom. Liberation. Not an excuse for sin, but freedom from fear. So many of us in church today, we're scared of others finding out that we're not perfect. So turn to the perfect person next to you and say, I already know you're not perfect. Go ahead. Just, 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 just I already know you're not perfect, right? I already know. Isn't that liberating? How many of you feel better just admitting you're not perfect? Anyone? But here's the thing. In the church, we get so caught up because we start comparing ourselves. And then, and then maybe we go through a tough time in life and, and, and we're now become so wound up and we begin to isolate ourselves and pull ourselves away from the body of Christ. We don't go to church anymore. We don't go to Bible study anymore. We don't read anymore. Why? Oh, I just don't have it all together. I'm a mess. If those people at church only knew, would they still like me? Would I still be welcome there? Boy, Diana, if they really knew you, huh? 
Right? Right, Daryl. Right? We got this. We have this humanness in us. It's a fear of rejection. It's a fear of of not measuring up to this standard. And the Apostle Paul, I want you to take this. Maybe some of you this morning need to just say, not that I've already obtained. Anyone? Not that I'm perfect. But what he's saying, you know what? I'm not going to let the fact that I'm not perfect stop me from the process. You see the difference? You see the difference? Tyler, can you, um, can you bring anything? Sanctification is a process. And on that process, you're going to have good seasons and not so good seasons. See? Or, not, not, not only do we start comparing ourselves to others, we lay this perfection trip. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not like so-and-so, right? And so I brought this today. If you know me, I, I love kind of visuals. And, and, and sanctification is kind of like riding a bike. A bike is designed to get you somewhere, right? You get on the bike and you start going to a destination, okay? And, and some of you have been in sanctification, on your sanctification bike for many years, right? And some of you in those years... Things have happened on that bike, right? You you crashed a few times, right? I was riding down the bike trail one time right there by, uh, was it Shell? Right there by the river, heading to your son's shop, you know, that four-way stop where Debbie lives, right? And this this car was waiting for me, and I thought, well, I'm going to go down the hill. And so I thought, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to signal. But I signaled with this hand. And so what happens is anyway, I raise my right hand, and I squeeze my left. And this is the front brake. And at that four-way stop, in front of a car. And I, I mean, I just, I was going pretty fast and before I knew it, I didn't have time to catch. I went over the handlebars and what did I do? Got myself up real fast. Didn't want him to load that. That hurt really bad. Got on my bike and just waved and kept going, right? And I'm going down there like, oh, this hurts. But just keep going, you know? And I can only imagine during the car going, and we were going to let him go. But, geez, geez, geez. And, and, and I thought, what a word picture for us in, in this thing called sanctification. Sometimes we're cruising along and, and, and we make a poor choice. And we slam it on and we just go over the handlebars. We just go over the handlebars. And instead of, hey, a little help here. A little help. No, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. You show up here on Sunday. Had a really rough week. Linda, how are you? I'm fine. Oh, it hurts really bad. But I'm fine. Right? And, and, and so we, we go on this process, and Paul says, not that I've already obtained. I have good seasons on, on this sanctification road. Sometimes I crash. But I'm in progress. I'm in process. And I want to encourage you. Here, you know, Nobody here has it all together. And I'm hoping in 2015 that we'll continue to be a loving church that says, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Been there. I understand. It's okay. 
Because at the core, we get that we're all in process. Now, the, the choice for some of us is, is when we tumble and when we fall to get back on. Because some of us may have chosen to stop the sanctification process even without realizing it. Maybe you thought that God gave up on you. Maybe you thought that, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm still, it's just me. It's always going to be me. And what's the use of trying, right? Maybe you got off. And I want to encourage you. Get back on. Get back on. God has placed you in a loving church family that will just wrap your arms around you and say, okay, let's start again. Let's start again. Years and years ago when I was in junior high, I used to go to the beach all the time. And we, me and our friends, would boogie board all the time. We'd go way past the waves and just hang out up there. One time in San Diego, uh, I didn't know, you know, I got caught in a rip current. Got pulled way out. And I had to wave like this. Lifeguard came out, had to tow me in. Kind of rocked my world. But, of course, I played it off, right? And I didn't realize that that episode in me would create this sort of fear of the water or fear of going out too deep. And it started to plague me and plague me, but I always hid it from my friends and just kind of played it off. But I was always kind of, kind of, it was a secret I was carrying. Then, I, then we moved up here about 15 years ago, and, and Robert, your son Eric, invited me to learn how to go spearfishing, diving. I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And so I'm, you know, about to dive gear, got the spear gun, and he's going to teach me. So we go out to base as my training ground. He said, just follow me around, and he would teach me how to shoot. But this old thing, this secret started to come up again. And I, I, I did my best to hide it from him. We'd go out a few times, and I would start to hyperventilate, and, you know, and I'd make up an excuse, right? I'm a pastor, but I'm making up an excuse to come back in. I just need to rest, yada, yada. So one morning, we go out to base, and I'm following Eric around. And this fear comes all over me again. And, I, and I'm, I'm, like, reeling. I mean... If you know dive suits, you're not going to sink. They're so buoyant, right? You have to wear a dive belt to go down. I didn't have weights on. I wasn't going anywhere, but my mind was just reeling with fear and flashbacks. And all this. I turned around, and I went back in. And Eric, you know, he realized I wasn't around him. He came back. And so we're standing at, at the at point, Rincon Point, about knee-high water. He goes, what's up, man? And I said... Dude, and I just I just spilled my guts. I said, This is what happened. And this is this is what I've been battling with. Every time we go out, this is oh this overcomes me. I've just been hiding it from you. I had to overcome the shame and the embarrassment, right? This is he's a super good diver and you know, here I am. But because I hadn't I wasn't honest on the front end, it it was harder. And I'll never forget uh, how Eric ministered to me and it's been a life lesson. He said, okay, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to stand here until you're ready. And he didn't even say a word. He didn't care. I wasn't keeping him from more fish. He just said, we're just going to stand here until you're ready. And he said... And I started, my heart started to come down and started to get clarity. I don't know how long we stood there. And finally, 
took a deep breath and I said, okay, I think I'm ready. I said, okay, just follow me. And off we went. If you're going through something and you don't have it all together, I get what it's like to be scared to come alongside someone who seems to have it all together and it's, it's so simple to them. But maybe you just need to say, hey, this is what's going on. And as shepherds here, we're going to love you with God's love and we're going to point you to Scripture. Kind of like what Eric did. Okay? When you're ready, let's go. Let's go. Because see, this, this, this sanctification process is unique to everybody. There's no cookie cutter. Everyone's on a, their own timeline because everyone is responsible for their own choices. Right? And, and as shepherds of this church, we're not here to browbeat you. We're not here to guilt you in anything. We're not here to manipulate you. We're not here to scare you into sanctification. What we're here to do is say, God loves you so much. God gave you His Word and His shepherds. We're here to just come alongside you and be with you when you're ready. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Just follow. Your pace. Your pace. Right? And and it's so important, guys, as we kick this off, that, that, that we're just honest on the front end of 2015. Not that I've already obtained or already perfect, but I'm choosing to stay on the sanctification bike. Amen? I'm going to choose to hang in there. I'm going to choose. And if necessary, I'm going to wave my hand and say, Help! They'll help! Right? So important. And then look at, look at what he says here. He says, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So that what Christ Jesus took hold of him, it was Christ-likeness, right? We're going to look at this more over the next few weeks. But that word press on, I put it in your notes there. I define press on, a definition I came up with. It says this, vigorously, uncompromisingly, continually, as the habit of our life, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. I press on. Okay? Our, our Christianity is not a passive let go and let God relationship. We press on. We make the choice to continuously, continuously, vigorously, actively participate in the working out of our salvation, right? But sometimes, whether it's a failure, a crash and burn, right? That may hinder us. But there's two other things really briefly this morning I want to I challenge us with that may hinder our choice, our choice, remember it's a choice to press on. To press on. See, as I was praying about 2015 and where we are as a church, boy, I spent some wonderful time celebrating where we've been from Cindy's house, you know, to here on Saturday nights. And then, you know, recently in the last year or so, transitioning to Sunday at night. And when I was like, Lord, thank you so much. And then I see all your faces, look at the director and just, yeah, celebrating what I've seen, you know, people's lives. Brenda, your life. Teresa, your life. Just God, wonderfully moving. But as I was praying about 2015, I've got to be honest with you, pastorally, I got concerned. 
there was a big, big concern that God put on my heart for us as a church. Four years of kind of grassroots, yeah, this is cool, we're, we're the refugees and we got the place and we're renting, right? But now we have a place, Sundays at 9, and we got a nice fellowship hall with always a lot of food, right? The slides look really good. We got a blessed worship team, amen, right? The concern that God put on my heart for us in moving into the new year? As a church, we get off the sanctification bike because we're good. We now become complacent. We now, now we're satisfied as a church because we've arrived. And that's a genuine concern. That's a genuine concern I have as a church, right? But as we started in the beginning, the church is made up of who? The people. So as a church, if we're not going to be complacent as a church, if we're not going to become apathetic as a church, if we're not going to be complacent as a church, where does it start? The people, yes. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I come from a church background where I know how to wow people. We can get celebrities in here. We can pay big bucks. We can get athletes. We can call up Tim Tebow's people. We can call up anybody. For the right amount of money, you can get anybody. We could wow people. We could get programs. We could get new screens. We could do a whole lot here as a terms of externally motivating you. And you know what happened? I would burn out and you would burn out. Because we would just get all caught up in doing, 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 doing. And God said, no, time out. The answer to complacency and apathy and self-satisfaction begins with individuals in the church remembering their first love. Right? Turn to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Church at Ephesus. If you would walk in the door at the church of Ephesus, you would say, this is a cool church. This church has it all together. They've got a lot of programs. They have a lot of ministries. Their teaching is orthodox. They believe in the authority of Scripture. You would have walked into that church at Ephesus and say, this is a good church from what I can see. What does God say about the church? You're missing the most important thing. They got caught up in all the externals, the orthodoxy and the service. And God says, hey, hello. You left your first love. You left me. And my encouragement to you, 
maybe in 2015, maybe this week, you need to go back and you say, Lord, where am I? Have I got caught up in the doingness of church even? Have I got caught up in the busyness of life? Did I left my first love? Jesus, do I love you like I did when I, when I realized I was saved? Jesus, do I have the same passion? Do I have the same joy? Do I have the same zeal and enthusiasm when I was first a Christian? Or has it slid into, yeah, I know how to do church. I give, I serve, I attend. But it's passionless. At the church in Ephesus, Ephesus, it looked really good, but it was kind of a shell. And I was like, Lord, please never let OVCF become a shell. Never let us lose our zeal and love for you. Amen? That's a come out, you know. Why do we spend so much time on birthdays? And why do we kind of goof around and... We're just us. And we love Jesus and we ain't got it all together. Amen? That's just us. Now, God is a God of order. We desire excellence around here. We rehearse. We get everything dialed in. But I will never, I will never put what we look like above loving Jesus. Amen? That's, we can't. And then he says this, another concern. Turn to chapter 3, the church in Laodicea, right? Look at the church in Laodicea. It says, uh, Revelation 3, starting in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Church in Laodicea. Laodicea was a very wealthy city, commercial center. What happened to the church was they they became materially, financially comfortable. And when they became materially comfortable, they became spiritually dead. Ah, no, we're fine. We're fine, God. We're fine. They allowed the material comforts. Their priorities got switched. And when they became materially and financially well-off and comfortable, they became spiritually impoverished. And they didn't even know it. They didn't even know it. They were blind. They were blind. And he says this. Look at, the, look at, how, he, look at how he describes them. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Who's he talking to? The church. The church that is like, oh, yeah, we got it all together. We're comfortable. We got our houses, got our cars, got our 401ks. We're spiritually good. We're good. That's what they were telling God. Spiritually, God, we're good. We got it. And he's like, no, you're not. You're naked. You're poor. Spiritually, they were blinded. And then look at verse 20. We'll say verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Many of you, many of us were raised in the church using that as an evangelistic verse, right? Hey, Revelation 3.20, non-believer. Jesus is knocking on your door. Non-believer. If you let him in, 
You'll be saved, non-believer. Who's he talking to in 320? The church! It's not an evangelistic verse. This is the concern. Hey, yeah, you guys live in Ojai. You're really comfortable. Ojai's a beautiful place, right? Shangri-La, right? Lord, we're comfortable. we got a nice building, nice fellowship hall. May we never become lukewarm. And have this. This is the word picture, guys. This is what Revelation 3.20 is saying. This is Jesus. You going to let me in? OBCF. Can I come in? Crazy, right? Wouldn't that be nuts? We hear knocking at the door. Hey, Tyler, who's at the door? It's Jesus, man. (laughs) What's he doing outside? See? Paul says, hey, I haven't already obtained. I'm not perfect. But I'm, I'm, I'm still... I'm still on that bike. I'm still moving. And then he says this, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Right? I'm, 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 I'm engaged. And for us, I just want to share with you as a church, as we launch into 2015, spend time individually. Get alone with God. And say, Lord, have I left my first love? Do I remember what it was like when, when I go, oh my gosh, are you serious? I, I believe on Jesus and I'm going to heaven. Woo! Remember those days? Oh my gosh. Yes, I'm saved. Remember those? Yeah. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was spiritually dead, now I'm spiritually alive. I was, right? I was dead in my sin, now I'm alive in Christ. Amen? You got to go back to those. Don't Don't blow those off as like, Oh, I'm past that. You're never past the gospel. Amen? Never get past the gospel and the fact that once you were condemned under God's wrath and now you are saved and on your way to heaven. Amen? That should stir love. That should stir you up to love. Go back there and stay there as long as you need to be. And then you ask yourself, Lord, have I gotten lukewarm? Have I allowed the comforts of the world to kind of stifle my passion for you? Has my priorities kind of flipped and now I'm trying to fit in you into my busy schedule because I've got my agenda and my kingdom and now you're supposed to fit me? Lord, have I become lukewarm? Forgive me. And we're going to see next week, we're going to go to the next verse where Paul says, how does he press on? He forgets the past. So there might be things this week as you, as you meditate and pray on this. God might bring it up as a conviction. And you, and you know what you do with that? You confess it. And you receive God's forgiveness. And you move forward. We, no one has it all together. So when God reveals something in your life that's off or sinful or not right with Him, you confess it. You receive forgiveness. And you move forward. We're going to talk about that more next Sunday. Just moving forward, letting go of the past. Because many of us, we got anchors. We want to get on that bike or we want to go on this sanctification thing, but our past, we just got anchors. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about how to deal with those so we can be free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.
Lord. Thank you for reminding us this morning through your word that ultimately sanctification is a choice. A choice we make daily and throughout the day. And like the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, none of us are perfect. We don't have it all together. And yet we can still choose to be in process. We can still choose to obediently follow You in Your power. And You've shown us, Lord, as You were speaking to the churches in Revelation, maybe this, this morning we need to confess that we got caught up with all the doingness and serving and rightness of stuff and we left our first love. Jesus, would You remind us Remind us of the joy and the simplicity of salvation. We put our faith in You, Jesus, and You saved our souls. And now Wednesday when we learn about heaven, that's our home. And Lord, maybe we become lukewarm. Maybe even inadvertently we allowed the comforts of living in Ojai in Southern California all the material trappings of what it means to live in this culture, maybe maybe it's, it's stifled our spiritual passion for You. Jesus, may You never be outside this door knocking to come in this church. And Jesus, may You never be outside the doors of our own life asking to come back in. Love You so much. Forgive us just getting caught up in the stuff of life. Bring us back to just the simplicity of knowing You, loving You, and obediently walking with You one day at a time. So as we prepare for communion and as we hear the words to this song about changing our hearts, we use this as a time of confession. We start 2015 with the time of confession of coming back to our first love. Amen.